It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Hey, everybody. John Barcher checking in again, and I just got to say, what a week one it was for your Philadelphia Eagles. Kirk Coupon showed up just like I thought he would, throwing worm balls, being inaccurate, and the Eagles get out with a win. And I know some of you might be looking at your fantasy lineups from this weekend and be getting a little disappointed. There's a lot of guys that got dinged up already. Maybe your fantasy season is all over, but not to worry. DraftKings is here for your one-week fantasy football, and this Sunday, they're doing it again. DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 Pick'em contest that is totally 100% free. Pick'em is the newest way to play one-week fantasy football. Drafting your teams is faster than ever. DraftKings has organized players into eight tiers, and all you have to do is select one player from each tier. You can choose from public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of friends and DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. So get to DraftKings.com right now and use the promo code BGNR to play in DraftKings free contest with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. That's promo code BGNR to compete for your share of $100,000 in total prizes. The contest is totally free to enter, so why wouldn't you try? DraftKings, the game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You're listening to BGN Radio. Stars up over the ball. This will be it. Stars back to throw. He takes time. He throws over the middle. It's caught at the 15. Running hard to the 7-yard line. And down on the 7 is Jim Taylor. The game's over. The game's over. The Eagles are the champions of the world. Listen. So all of this goes back to New England. Before we do anything with Philadelphia or Kansas City, we need to talk about New England because what went on just a week ago as the Chiefs, as a lot of people would say, you know, looking back, demolished the New England Patriots, demolished them. The potential 16-0, 19-0 dynasty team. As all of that happens, you can't talk about what's going to happen on Sunday without going back and talking about that game. So we will get to Kansas City and New England in just a second. Now, I am Vince Quinn. You can find me on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. I'm joined by John Barchard. What's up, John? Good evening, everybody. Well, I mean, good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, depending on when you're listening to this jobby. It's a very late Thursday. I'm excited to talk some football with you, Vince. 
It is very interesting that people have done that. I also thought it was funny that the NFL Top 10 did its uh, Tom Brady moments, and of course, like, is the, the famous one is his Tom Brady done, and I kind of got that sense. Somebody wanted to say it. Somebody fucking wanted to say it this week, <laughs> and they didn't, and they held back because they know what happens, but I agree. I think it's been blown way, 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 way out of proportion on what happened with Kansas City. Doesn't make me feel exactly confident that the Eagles will still win, but we'll get into that in just a little bit, buddy. Uh, we certainly will, and this is BGN Radio episode 260 as we preview the Eagles and the Chiefs here for you. If you enjoyed the show or the past shows that we've done, hey, I mean, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to us on, five-star reviews mean the world to us. Uh, they really do. So uh, feel free to go out and rate us. Now, talking about this New England game, like, the final score is not indicative of what really happened, right? It's a 42-28 to 28 final score. And you'd think, yeah, man, the score, they blew him out. And, like, there was such an intensity through the game. It felt like a playoff game. Reed's doing all these trick plays. Belichick ran a flea flicker. <laughs> I mean, Belichick did. I was surprised the double reverse didn't come out, too. He <laughs> wanted know. to at some point. I mean, it was that type of game. The aggressiveness early from the Patriots, you know, the fumble from Kareem Hunt. Just, you know, everything that kind of went through there was was very aggressive. It was their night. There was a bunch of people wearing fucking, you know, Goodell clown oh, shoes. Clown shirt. Shirts, yeah. I mean, shoes, shirts, it's the same thing. <laughs> they they wanted this to be a blowout. They tried for it early. Yeah, and, and so you have a hyper-competitive game, and in the fourth quarter, everything goes haywire. Now, here's what we need to get into. First off, it's... I want to get into the defensive side of the ball for Kansas City and what they did in New England. And and from what happened there, we can kind of figure out what they're going to do for here in Philadelphia. So the first thing that really stuck out to me in this game is that Kansas City has really good linebackers. I mean, when you're looking at, they're a 3-4 team, so three of the four linebackers I have heard of uh, like, you know, I <laughs> Which mean, is really, good. it's a good sign, right? Like yeah. how many linebackers on a team do you really know before you look into them? Like name three Saints linebackers for me right yeah, now. No, no, I can't. Yeah. Good luck. They're to all you. bad. So, <laughs> so Kansas City has three good linebackers in a four or a three, four defense. You've got D Ford, you've got Derek Johnson, and you've got uh, Justin Houston. So these guys are great athletes and all throughout the game, just nothing but exceptional. I mean, he, as you look through, you see Derek Johnson knifing through and busting up runs. D. Ford did it a lot as a pass rusher. At the end of the game, when New England had to throw the ball, you know, more than 20 yards downfield for the first time because they were so far behind, um, they were able to get the pass rush and get those sacks that helped seal the game. So the linebackers were really impressive. And for me, like, I look at how they matched up against New England and, and their running backs and their offensive line, and it's just that, you know, these are really athletic guys that can hold their own. And so when you think about how it's going to go with the Eagles, I'd figure, you know, like Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles in the backfield, it's not going to be such a cakewalk as you think, like, Sproles on a linebacker. This is going to be tough. Yeah, they, they really are. And especially when you say D4, because amazingly enough, one, I thought that was that's the Marcus Smith year, if you guys don't remember that. And Oof. D Ford was... You know, th that very high upside guy that was supposed to be just this potential monster at defensive end. A lot of people were booking him in in 4-3. His journey actually to, you know, that right outside linebacker spot in a 3-4 where they're asking him to do a ton of things. And they asked their linebackers to do a ton of things in this anyway. And just like Vince said, they can because, by the way, it's Justin Houston. You know, I mean, that guy is an absolute nightmare no matter where he is on the field. 
But D Ford has been an interesting transformation to see him not only be a, a, a pretty good pass rusher so far, and he keeps working on that and gets better at that, but he's also gotten a lot better in coverage as well. It's a, it's a, Not that he's spectacular, but it's a lot better than I thought he would be when he was coming out of the draft. I didn't think he would fit in a 3-4 uh, defense at all. And you're right, and I don't know – And listen, everybody's concerns about the running games I think are valid here, and it's been a, a long weekend again, not just with Kareem Hunt, which we'll also talk about in a little bit. This kind of started the trend of, well, I mean, the Eagles don't have running backs like this. Well, Dalvin Cook – you know, he ended up going for 120 yards or whatever. No one mentioned Christian McCaffrey, I'd like to say, because he only got like 10 carries yeah, or whatever. Yeah, a lot. And that's one that I think I might have missed on and was a little too high on in the draft so far, and we'll have to see what happens there. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think you see if, – if Wendell Smallwood can't hang with Washington, I don't know how much you're actually going to see him in this game. And there are probably going to be a lot of people that say, well – that's what you should be doing. You need those fast, quick guys against a really tough opponent. I think you're going to see more Legarrette Blunt, and I don't. And I think you're going to see a lot of passing, a lot of passing. I would expect, and maybe I was a little lofty in my prediction last week, but I really do think it's going to be the main split is between Blunt and Sproles, and you're not going to see him run a lot. You're going to see these guys. Uh, it, it, I mean, it is it is student versus teacher here. You're going to see a lot of five wide. I think on both sides, and you're just going to go. Good luck. We're running spread offenses the entire night. And I don't expect them to use LeGarrette Blunt in a lot of situations until they get down to the goal line. So, yeah, it's a very tough matchup uh, for the the linebackers versus the running backs. It's not going to be easy in the passing game. Uh, no, it's not. And those guys are able to rush the passer, so that's something you're going to have to deal with with the offensive line not looking so stable. These are the kinds of questions and concerns you have. And the other thing is that some of the biggest turning points uh, for the Kansas City-New England game, there were – there were two situations where it was fourth and one and a fourth and in inches, and Kansas City stopped New England with Mike Gillisley, the guy that the advanced numbers love him in the short yardage back, and that was part of why oh, the whole sixteen and zero thing. Yeah, <laughs> congrats like, to your fantasy team, by the way. Yeah, so like for for Gillisley to be stopped in those situations by Kansas City twice, they are a formidable team, and the key to that success for them in the running game. Uh, and and as a pass rush, it comes down to the linebackers. Those are the those are the big players for Kansas City. And the thing is, for me, like I I like um, I like how their line. I mean, I well for Kansas City, I like how you know they should like how their linebackers match up uh, against our running backs because it is a bit of a mismatch. But it'll be interesting to see how they factor into the equation when it comes to Zach Ertz because. Zach Ertz, to me, is the most important player for the Eagles in this game. He's number one. And when you go back and you compare this New England game, like the first thing I noticed um, in terms of scheme and what New England was, or the, the Chiefs were doing against New England, it was that how they handled Rob Gronkowski. So big, pass catching tight end, you know, really dynamic player. And they shut Gronk down. I mean, by the second half of the game, he was disinterested. He was completely discouraged. This is a guy that runs rampant on teams. I mean, he could be, statistically, if he stays healthy, the greatest tight end to ever play. And if you had to pick one healthy guy in one situation, he might be that guy. But Gronk was disinterested by halftime, and that was because of Eric Berry. Yeah, oh yeah. 
Did a great job the entire night. He did a great job. And Andy Reid, what he did is he had Eric Berry literally stand right in front of Ron, Rob Gronkowski on every single play Shattered of the him. game. All of them. I mean, within a yard. And so he was able to press Gronkowski, beat him into oblivion, and, and force him to basically no production on the entire day. Uh, he had two catches for 33 yards. So now that Eric Berry is out... Your superstar safety, your leader of the defense, the guy who did play all 16 games last year and was able to shut down Gronk, he's out of the game. So how much of the responsibility are those linebackers going to have in covering Zach Ertz and how effective are they going to be? As much as they matched up against New England and they match up against the Eagles running backs, when it comes to Zach Ertz, I think that is the matchup of the game. Well, and it's interesting too because you know we all saw Washington come out and use Norman a couple of times on Ertz when he split out wide, which I thought was kind of an interesting schematic matchup there. And, you know, there was no really shadowing going on like we expected to be. So, hey, guess what? John Gruden or John, listen to me. Uh, what the fuck's his name? Jay. Jesus. Jay Gruden. <laughs> no, not Jesus. Jay. <laughs> Jay Gruden uh, wasn't lying last week. I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't know where... You know, is it Terrence Mitchell's responsibility? Would they waste Marcus Peters on Zach Ertz? Because I think that would be a huge, huge mistake. mistake. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I think you'll see kind of. Uh, a, 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 I think I think Terrence Mitchell is going to be the guy that's going to have to cover Zach Ertz on on those you know uh, on those options. And I don't really know what they're going to do. I don't know if they feel comfortable with you know Daniel Sorensen or uh, or Ron Parker kind of covering those guys. I, at all, I, I, it's a it's a such a huge difference between what those guys do and what Eric Berry does, I, and I feel so bad for Eric Berry because he's one of my favorite players in the NFL. Yeah, you all know his story very well. It's pretty easy to root for him, but at the same time, I mean, it is a huge advantage for the Eagles this week when you're going into <laughs> Kansas City, as their uh, their hometown uh, announcer likes to say. But it is. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge difference. And and if they have to waste a corner on this guy, then that's going to open up probably your good friend Nelson Aguilar again or Sproles or, you know, Torrey Smith, who, if, you know, Wentz can finally find the timing on some of those throws with Torrey this week, then I think you'll see that. I honestly think that Marcus Peters is going to stay on Torrey Smith, and we'll just have to see what happens, uh, you know, with, uh, with Alshon Jeffrey and crew. I also want to say we didn't mention during the – during the, the you know when we we're talking about the linebackers going up against this thing, uh, Benny Logan was a huge part of their success, slowing down and stopping the run game. They also he was he was on both of those fourth down stops that were there early. He hasn't practiced at all. It is Wednesday night, Thursday morning as we are recording this. We'll obviously update you through the next couple of days here, but uh, that will also be a, a, a huge. You know, thing uh, anchoring that line down because we uh, we miss our old friend uh, uh, Benny. But yeah, yeah, it's going to be this is going to be a very tough test for this offense, and I don't like their chances thus far. Well, yeah, but the thing is that that makes me confident about it is really, I mean, the Eric Berry factor in that New England game. It's it's un it's like it's unbelievable how big of a deal he was because once he was able to remove Rob Gronkowski from the game. He just exposed New England because that's a team like, look, I get all the expectations, but Gronk was effectively out of the game. Julian Edelman, out of the game. Mm -hmm. Then, at one point, Danny Amendola gets a concussion. 
he's out of the game. So they had nothing left. Like once their linebackers were, you know, because they were able to shut down the running backs, which Belichick loves to move those five running backs around. They have such a good front, and Barry was giving them that run support, and the linebackers were doing their job. Like the game that Kansas City is going to have to play defensively is going to be a very different game than what the Eagles do. Because the other thing is, and I mentioned it earlier, at the end of the game, the linebackers for Kansas City were getting sacks for New England. New England can't throw the ball really more than 25 yards down the field. I mean, look, Tom Brady is really old. His arm's not the same. He occasionally... Oh, he did it. He did it. it He's really did. old. It's not the same anymore. He didn't look the same. He didn't. But, I mean, he was still thrown down. He was still thrown to. You know, Brandon Cooks pretty pretty decently, even if it didn't show up on the stat sheet. There was two PIs that that caused for it. There was one big seventy yard completion. It's still it's still there. He throws it's still it there enough, for old but, Tom. But they're not a. He can do it when he has to. But that's not how they play games anymore. So for New England, well, they haven't for a while. It's been very much the five point five yards and take it and go exactly. Down the field, right? So so to defend that kind of offense where it's a shorter you know yards after the catch with these pick plays and screens and all that kind of stuff then it changes to go to a team with the Eagles who have a very vertical receiver in Torrey Smith. You've got the all-around guy in Jeffrey, and you're going to have Ertz who can stretch the field, and he's a guy that you can't shut down now with Eric Berry. So it's going to be the, – the whole dynamic is so different in this game that to say, well, they did this against New England, like they're going to do this against the Eagles, I just think that's completely out of place, and I think we have to throw it all out the window. Well, yeah, I I think so too. And and listen, they played New England in, in a completely different style that they're going to play this Eagles team. And I, we're, I was talking about that with Vince before we even came on. I mean, they came out and they let Tom Brady dictate for those first two drives. They really did. I mean, the Kareem Hunt fumble early did not help things. But that's the Patriots literally put the gas on the pedal from the jump. Now, when I say that, they ran tempo first two drives. They didn't let him get set. They didn't let Kansas City get set. They took away all their strengths and just what we were talking about. You take away Justin Houston. You take away, you know, Thomas. You take away all of the D Fords, and you just kind of constantly keep them on their feet. And what did Kansas City do? They stayed in zone the entire time. They didn't blitz once. They're like, well, we're not going to blitz this guy. More the reason, as we were talking to, you know, 5.5 yards in the air. Like, that's that's been their offense for the last three or four years. Look, it's effective. And so is Kansas City's, which we'll get to in a little bit, too. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. I don't expect this team to sit in zone for one second. I expect just a high-powered, extremely vulnerable, let's-go-kill-em mentality. I expect zero coverage. I expect six guys at a time at all times during this game. Carson Wentz is going to be under pressure the entire time that he's on the field until he makes them pay. That's what's important about, you know, that strong start that we wished for last week, which, by the way, we kind of predicted, pat on the, pat on the backs for ourselves yeah. about that that going long and airing that out. But uh, I, I really do think um, I, I, the tempo is really going to work for the Eagles if they do that early. I've been begging them to do that. It's what Carson Wentz is best at. He moves his best, and they need to do it here. It would certainly be nice to see. It's something that, I mean, it's not completely foreign to the Eagles to do it, and it doesn't get publicized a lot. But, hey, yeah, the the no-huddle offense, it, it helps basically everybody when you do it at the right time. So uh, we'll see what we do there. Now, speaking of that, because uh, Kansas City's offense is part of the story, you know, is part of the mystique of last week's win for them. 
they've put up 42 points in New England. And so your eyes pop out of your head. I mean, they did it in New England against New England. It hasn't happened in like a decade or something. It, it, the stats about it were ridiculous, and you can find them wherever. But when it comes to what— Except for Barstool Sports. They're probably not posting that. Well, yeah, they don't give a shit about that. You, you can find the hottest chicks on the planet, or you can find some stupid story about like, oh, somebody's McDonald's cheeseburger didn't have cheese. Oh, yeah, and I just meant because they're humongous Boston homers as well. So oh, well, that too. That okay, yeah, yeah. but anyway. Uh, yeah. But also so, what Vince said. Yeah, they're, they're not the most analytical folks on the planet. They, they, do, they do a good thing, though. That's so, right. Um, so offensively, what the Chiefs went up against from New England's defense— is dramatically different than what the Eagles are going to bring to the table. Let me give you the most simple, basic, fundamental thing that New England did uh, all throughout the game against Kansas City. Is it play football? Did, did they play football? Is that the most? Well, if we're way? if we're really going back that far, they all breathed. Okay, good. repeatedly all, right, all good. throughout the game. Lots of oxygen. Yes, they were they were very big on oxygen. But here's what they did: they only rushed three people. The majority, I mean, almost the entirety of the game. Fucking which, Bill, man. Uh, <laughs> Bill, every time. Well, that's the thing. Like, Bill was, he, he's a really smart guy for what he was doing um, because schematically, here's what New England decided to do. Kansas City, like we said with New England, is a bit of a, you know, short yardage and you hope for the yards after the catch. And what they decided to do was they played three men as a pass rush, then they just played zone and they would let everything go underneath them. Let Alex Smith make his five-yard throws, his three-yard throws, uh, anything like that, and you just shut it down before the sticks. That's not going to happen at all, at all, in this game. It's going to be radically different. It's going to be like a whole different sport. Because you've, and look, let's be real, if you're talking about New England's defensive line, like Chandler Jones isn't there anymore. You know, so there's no premium pass rushers that are sitting there on New England's line. You've got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Tim Jernigan, and then whoever they decide that you know Barnett or Long. Who, yeah, Long looked good last week, by the way. I would also say, uh, I, yeah, I think there's, I think people got a little bit out of hand, and that's something we didn't get to on the post game show. But I mean, he can still set an edge really well, uh, and they didn't run against him when he was on the field. He was man, there's pass rushers, but I mean. I I still think he got on the into the backfield and he got Kirk off his spot. So that's I think that's the first time I've actually called him by his real name on the show. <laughs> the, 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 they moved him off the spot. I thought he was I thought he was pretty good. I thought Derek Barnett did the same thing too. I mean, geez, yeah, I know I I think it was Brian uh, Baldinger that had that uh, that all twenty two tape the day after the game where he's literally bending around Trent Williams like that kid is so ridiculously flexible and did all the right things and got it got shots on him. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a lot different, a lot different than they're going to see. I don't know how much. I mean, you know, <laughs> they they traded for Ely <laughs> for a second-round pick, and then they cut him. Uh, so I always thought that was the dumbest move ever. They need extreme help. And, again, I, I don't – see, that's the thing about the Patriots. Why don't they, why don't they get called out for that crap? <laughs> they should have never traded him and then traded for Ely. Like, that was the dumbest thing ever. And it neutralized everything. It's probably why, Vince, that like you were saying, they went with three offensive linemen and they're like, you know what? We'll we'll take the death by a thousand paper cuts. And it was working. It worked up until the fourth quarter. Yeah, it worked up until the fourth quarter. And that's the thing. And that's why we need to get all of the all the mysticism around this game where Kansas City wins forty two to twenty eight. And we need to absolutely throw it all in the trash. 
because it's it wasn't a dominant end-to-end performance by Kansas City. If you were in the fourth quarter, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, you might have guessed that, hey, uh, Kansas City's going to lose this thing. <laughs> so New England, you know, it, it's a tight game. It's 27-21 early in the fourth quarter, uh, 28-21. And what you get is a couple of quick big plays from Kansas City. The dink and dunk and all, it... it rears its ugly head against New England and it turns. What you get is a running back pass where Hunt goes out of the backfield, he he bends the route a little bit, and Alex Smith, I mean, perfect ball. Just absolutely perfect pass in stride. Hunt. This is one of his best throws I've ever seen in his career. Really? No, I, it was. I think so, yeah, yeah. It was absolutely perfect. And so uh, that results in a 78-yard touchdown reception. Hunt again had another run that he took to the outside. 58 yards on that carry. Charkandrick West had a 21-yard rushing touchdown. So all of these things pile up so quickly in one bad quarter for New England, which is a team that defensively they were just undermanned for the job, I think, and unprepared for the job of dealing with Kareem Hunt and his speed on the perimeter. That they just got, ultimately they just collapsed. Like it was just a weak foundation and it collapsed in the fourth quarter. And so, yes, hey, good for Kansas City. But, I mean, I'm not going to go and say, like, Kansas City's a Super Bowl contender. I'm not going to say that this is a game that's completely unwinnable. You know, it's just, look, they had a good game. Big plays happen from time to time, and you need to do your best to limit them. Now, and it's the NFL. And it's, yeah, it's, so it's like. <laughs> we say this every freaking time. Well, Eagles got no shot in New England. Eagles got no shot at Pittsburgh. Eagles got no shot at the Falcons. You know, it's just like, we don't know. We don't know. And it's week one, so. I, yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. Yeah, so let's let's tone it back a little bit with the love for Kansas City's offense. They, also, if they win this game, let's just remember what happened last year, and I'm pointing at myself right now too. He is. Let's all calm down and just enjoy the win, and then see what happens after the next couple of weeks. Yeah, after the next couple of wins. So, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so look, I'm I'm looking at Kareem Hunt. Because when you look at this Kansas City-New England game, that is the one name that sticks out outside of Eric Berry. It's it's Kareem Hunt. 246 total yards on offense. God damn! Two touchdowns. Damn! He's a rookie. Bow! And it's his first game. Oh, yeah, it is his first game. Bow! Bang! So, <laughs> so Kareem Hunt. Like, he's the big name, you know, oh, you got to get him on your fantasy team if you don't have him and whatever. Like, it's this big scramble and this big, like, let's make Kareem Hunt a god all of a sudden. Like, you see the tweets of, oh, well, we could have drafted Hunt and this, you know, all that typical garbage that comes out. Uh, well, no, that was, I mean, Kareem Hunt's a righteous wine for everybody. I mean, you can, I, I don't want to hear anything about nope. Dalvin Cook. Kareem Hunt's a righteous wine. Uh, Sorry. All right, we'll, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> but. Look, he puts up 246 yards against New England in New England. You want to say, man, this kid is amazing. Let's slow the brakes on that as well, John. Because, look, Kareem Hunt, he seemed to be a very capable running back, but all of his success came from bouncing runs to the outside. But that's a sign of a good running back, sir. That's what I'm telling you. To an extent, to an extent. But in between the tackles, he looked. he just looked capable. He looked solid. The blocking was good. And the other thing is that we've been talking about New England and their defensive line, really their whole front seven. It's, it's not good. Uh, Dante Hightower got hurt in that game. Rob Ninkovich retired. So this isn't the same New England front that you're used to. And 
they were able to push the ball to the outside, and Hunt was able to just burn them. His speed is just enough to turn that corner, and it's deadly when he does it. So when I see a guy that that's his his calling card at the moment, or at least in the one game we've seen, that's that's his claim to fame, I look at what he's going to do against the Eagles, and it, it's not going to be, I mean, 246 yards. Yeah, Get the hell out. I don't expect uh, the uh, a repeat performance of that, too, and it really showed. Like, if you don't have confidence already in this Eagles run defense, that's been their bread and butter actually consistently, no matter if they've been in a 3-4 or a 4-3, no matter who the defensive coordinator is, it is fucking hard to run against this team. It always has been, and they displayed that again against Washington. Now, you're going to say, well, that's Fat Rob, and they really didn't get uh, you know a P. Ryan out there. They didn't get a, a lot of other <laughs> different guys that could be speedy like Kareem Hunt. Sure, that's acceptable too, but you got to remember – it is still a very good offensive line, and it's no disrespect to Kansas City's either, but I actually think Kansas City's is clearly worse than Washington's in a lot of different aspects of it. I would say that, you know, and, and whatever. Washington hasn't been great at running the football for the last two, two and a half years, and they're still struggling with that too. I think these guys are a little better in the run game uh, because of the different, uh, you know, Whatever they you know they can kind of run out of pistol sometimes. There's really unique formations where they put Tyree Kill and a bunch of other guys in there. Yeah, and we'll get more to that in a minute. Yeah, and and it's just it's a little different, but I still have a, a lot of confidence that it's not going to be. I still feel you know we were talking about what are you expecting? Is it 85 yards for for walking into Washington? I kind of have the same feel again this week. I think if you can hold them to around 85 to 90 or lower. Then it's a again. It makes them one dimensional. Every defensive coordinator loves that. That's old, you know, boring. Uh, 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 you know, uh, what's the word? Obvious analysis that we're talking about here. But that's what makes this Eagles defense great. It's what makes them successful. I don't, however, I wonder how you feel about this too. I I, I know everybody's amped up from last week. You know, thirty nine percent of the time on third down, they're rushing the quarterback. They're going to try and kill Cousins. I don't think that happens with Alex Smith as much. Uh, I, I still think they come in with blitzes when it's necessary. I kind of get the sense that they're going to do the same things. They're going to hang in zone because you can't. I mean, unfortunately, with Ronald Darby going down, and I'm a, I'm going to assume it's Patrick Robinson and it's going to be Jalen Mills on the outside, which, whew, oh boy, yeah, buckle in, y'all. Uh, Razul Douglas is definitely going to see action in this game at some point. I don't know whether that's going to be when they go into nickel if they even attempt to run some dime stuff, or I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't feel comfortable at all in the secondary. You cannot leave any of these guys alone. You can't lose Travis Kelsey alone. Like the secondary, I think has the the toughest challenge, uh, and and I'm this is this is where they're going to lose the game. That that's why I feel like they they could very much so on a couple of different occasions in the third quarter, mid fourth quarter. It's a lot of different weapons that goes to. The only advantage is Alex Smith is still Alex Smith. He's going to take the precautionary measure before he takes the deep shot. I mean, even the even the hill bomb was a blown coverage between Rowe and oh, seven other guys that didn't dismal. know what they were doing. So he's not going to throw that unless he's supremely confident, which is still kind of that. So if he can get him in that mode, uh, that would benefit the Eagles uh, greatly. Well, yeah, and and for Hill because look. Hill is the game breaker for them. Like Hill is really emblematic of what the Chiefs' offense is as a whole, because if you look, it's Tyreek Hill. He's a small, super speedy guy. 
D'Anthony Thomas, small, speedy guy. You've got Kareem Hunt. He's a small, speedy guy. It's all about this catch the ball, get a couple of yards, turn 15 yards into 90 if you can. Uh, because they need to do that, though. It is it is good designed by Andy Reid. The way he's built the offense has been good because Alex Smith is at the center of it. And Alex Smith has never been a great passer. Yeah, and at the same time, too, and I think this this happens a lot, and I think it's even been said about this Eagles offense. And granted, I mean, they they have a lot of different similar concepts. Jim Schwartz even said that in his press conference this week, saying, like, well, we go up against Kansas City's offense every single day, and that kind of made me feel weird. I was like, ah, damn it. <laughs> All right, fine. Yeah, it is It is kind of a carbon copy in that way. But it works. I think as NFL people, especially draft Twitter folks, and a lot of national guys, like it's easy to make fun of Dink and Dunk. It really is. And and, and it's, it's how we've measured success, not only with quarterbacks, but also offenses. It's like, oh, it's a boring offense. It, it only does this and it only does that and whatever. But we're also, I mean, we just literally said this is what the Patriots have been doing for the last three years. Get the ball out, get to the next thing. Get the ball out, run the tempo, get to the next thing. Next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. And they've been pretty successful with it. I think more or less most NFL offenses are exactly the same. And we get obsessed about, that ah, was only a four-yard dump. Oh, that was a five-yard That's an easy throw. It's a seven-yard thing. It's what the it, it it works. It works. You take your deep shots when you have to. You take what's in front of you. This is not, not anything new. And I think we get all these weird nuances and and we all know about the air yards and, and shit. Like it's just it's nauseating at times. What Kansas City does and also what the Eagles concept conceptually are trying to do is a very smart thing. And Andy Reid has been a master at passing routes and clear outs, and we've seen them for years. And that's why it works, and that's why it's scary. And I almost get a Green Bay feeling from last year where they're just going to neutralize the defensive line because they know that's their best option. They're going to take a lot of their chances downfield if they end up going in zone or, you know, whatever happens. And, yeah, it's it's very effective. I don't think at all because of Alex Smith dinking and dunking He's still a really good quarterback in this league. I don't think he gets enough credit. Yeah, he is He is a good quarterback. He's a game manager, and there's nothing wrong with that because the same way Dink and Dunk is looked down on, game managers look down yeah, right? like I He's think, just a game manager. I think Dak Prescott, in a lot of ways, is a game manager. I Which think, is great. And, and it's not a knock against no. him. I'm, I'm saying like he really knows the offense very well for how he, you know young he is and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I know people fucking hate talking about Dak Prescott, <laughs> but it's the yeah. same. It's, a, it's in the same version of that, and they, they can run the offense very well. Yeah, I mean, think about the number of times that Kansas City's been in the playoffs, that San Francisco, once they got a stable situation, they made their way into the playoffs, and that's with Alex Smith as quarterback. Now, to put everything in perspective, because again, Kansas City's offense went off the other night, and, and what they did in New England was remarkable, but for his career, and Alex Smith at this point, I mean, he's been in the NFL since 2005. Think about that. The most yardage he's had in any season was last year, 3,502 yards. That's really low. 3,502. I mean, your average quarterback is getting you at least 4,000 at this point. So that's the kind of offense that they're running with this passing game. And for the Eagles... um, you know, obviously, it's going to be containing that little stuff and the occasional shot to Tyreek Hill or Albert Wilson when they when they feel the need to do it here and there. But 
when you come down to what's the most important thing for Kansas City and what's going to stall their offense, honestly, I'm more concerned about Travis Kelsey. Because Kelsey is just, he's, first off, he's the weirdest moving person. Like, <laughs> like yeah, he, yeah, you shouldn't be that fast or like you shouldn't be that, you know, agile. Exa- the, the agility is the thing that like, I mean, my God, when you watch him move, it's not like anyone else I've ever seen. Like he looks incredibly stiff, but his ability to, to work his way around people, it's just, it's. It's so unnatural, but it's beautiful at the same time. Like, I really enjoy watching Travis Kelsey with the ball in his hands. And he's a guy that, look, Nigel Bradham's going to have to lock him down. Uh, we'll see, you know, if it's slot situations and they want to yeah, split I, out I Kelsey. Don't think, I don't think Nigel's going to be on him at all. I, I really do. I, I mean, I don't know. I in Maybe in some instances, uh, but I, I think that it is a Malcolm Jenkins night. I really do. Well, do you think they give him sort of the uh, Eric Berry Gronkowski treatment? A little, a little bit. I think so. I think he's very. Co- I think Malcolm Jenkins would be perfect covering Travis Kelsey. I would like to see that. I mean, you figure, you know, and we'll see because usually it's not always one guy all the time. But right. yeah, uh, but but Kelsey is the one guy that is so like he's already been a major part of Kansas City's offense. The number of times that he's catching the ball in a game in a season, like he's he means so much to how they get things done and win games. Now, the thing about Travis Kelsey that makes it particularly interesting now when you watch the New England game is that their offense has gotten really diverse in the backfield, and it's involved Travis Kelsey direct snaps. We've seen Alex uh, Alex Smith get the ball on a shotgun snap. Go to his right. It was the weirdest thing ever. It was super weird. He he gets the ball. Wild wildcat is what we'll call it. Yeah, he's like he's running to the right, and then uh, Alex Smith is the option to p- pitch the ball. So throw it like backwards down the field, essentially as a, as a college pitch to Tyreek Hill, or he can shovel it to the inside to Travis Kelsey. So they've got a a double option play that they run with with Kelsey. I mean, he carried the ball like four times in that game. It was it was enough to be like, oh my God, this isn't just a single gadget play. So you're adding that whole element on top of the passing game, and it's wild. Looks a lot like college. Hey! <laughs> yeah, I, and it's so funny to me, too, because there's, I mean, literally, an article came out that week from, I don't know, uh, dumbfuckaroo.com on on some on some NFL site. <laughs> it's a great was, site that was that was saying, oh well, you know, all the zone read and read option stuff is really obsolete in the NFL now. And Kansas City, literally, it's like half of their offense, half of it, and that and that little trickery uh, doohickeys are are all laced in there because Andy, as we know, loves him some some trickery. At, loves Ronnie Brown throwing fucking. Uh, the worst balls ever against my, the Miami Dolphins and in uh, it going horribly. So yeah, you'll you'll probably see like four, four or five of those. Yeah, you'll see some of those. Tyree Kill just took regular snaps as a running back, so they've got no problem doing that. DeAnthony Thomas is a guy that like Albert Wilson, like Tyree Kill. He's a speedy, small guy. They like to move around a lot. You'll see. You know, you could theoretically see Kelsey Hill and like Anthony Sherman, their fullback, and they they have a fullback. Like you could see all of these guys in some combination in the backfield, uh, in weird formations. By the way, uh, quite regularly in this game, and it is it is something to be seen. Like if you want to think of Carolina two years ago when they were really good, 
and they got to the NFC Championship game. They had a lot of diversity in the looks that they gave out of the backfield. It helped them a ton. That's what Kansas City's doing now, or at least that's what they did against New England. And it'll be curious to see how the Eagles prepare for that because, man, the options there, like... It's just, it's really interesting stuff. For the Eagles, it's like, let's get Nelson Aguilar and we'll try these screen plays and these end arounds and stuff. For them, it's its literally handing the ball off and running options. It's, it's something you don't really see often and it's hard to prepare against. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, you know, it, uh, and when I go back to, you know, when it is Tyree Kill in the backfield, when it is, sometimes they do put Dat back there. Sometimes it's a, you know, uh, they go... <laughs> Almost like a, a semi wing T at some point, which I think Hugh Jackson pulled out of his uh, out of his butt uh, when playing the Steelers. Like, there's just a lot of interesting, different little wrinkles that they do, uh, and it can be con- very confusing at times. And that's why it's so important for them to, you know, stay with their keys and read with them. That's again why during a lot of those situations, I don't think Jim Schwartz is going to blitz a ton. I, I I think he's they are going to be too worried about what could happen behind them, and and it really does. I, and I know that he was still confident with the corners even after Darby left the game last week. Just don't see that. I really just don't see that happening here. I would be very surprised and shocked, which maybe Kansas City's thinking the same thing too, and maybe that's why he'll dial it up even more, just to, just to screw with their head and be like, no, you're going to have to do that to beat us today. Well, now you tweeted out the numbers the other day uh, and wound up on crossing broad, by the way. Oh, hey. Look at you. Yeah, your favorite hey. place to be, hey. right? I mean, uh, excuse me. So Also ended up on the ringer somehow, by the way. Yeah, that was kind of You're random. all over the place. Now, yeah. But you you tweeted out something with the numbers for the blitzing by Jim Schwartz, and it was uh, it was a really impressive number. And It was something like what? On third 30, downs? First down, 36% they blitzed. Uh, second down, like 37 and a half. And then third down was 39, which was almost close to Jim Johnson, like, 40% of the time he would blitz during the game. So it felt good. It made everybody feel great last week. It really did. I mean, that felt like old school Eagles. We live for that. We die for that. I, I just, yeah, I don't expect it to happen as much this game. I yeah. think that was a very much by game plan and it, and you're on to the next thing. And that's totally fair because, I mean, that's really what we've been doing all show so far, hasn't it been? It's like, hey, look, all the things that happened in New England are not the things that are going to happen when the Eagles go to Kansas that's City. Right. It's different teams. It's different matchups. It's different situations. It's just not the same game. Now, when it comes to Kansas City and, and their offense, because we've covered a lot of ground here, just a couple of basic numbers to run through here. So to get the full picture, this is based on last season and what they did. They were 20th in the league in total yards, 25th in passing attempts. Just slightly surprising. And here's the thing that goes with it. This is the number that, because again, 20th in total yards and 25th in passing attempts and 13th in points scored. You want to know what's funny about that? I was just thinking about the stats from Washington and how those are reversed. They're like number two or number three in total yards and they're probably like you know fifth sixth seventh in passing attempts and I think they were 12th in scoring last year so there's not I mean it, it's 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 means that all of their yards and things they're very effective in what they do so that means long drives with short yardages most of the time or like good field position and short drives getting into the end zone it's why you can't really measure an offense based on yards most of the time because does it it doesn't explain their efficiency they're efficient. They just don't, you know, they don't they don't go for long bombs. They're a good running team, as we've explained a lot of the time, and I think that's what sets up the tempo. 
They'll run, which is so weird for an Andy Reid team, by the way. But they have, you know, a lot of different versions of what they do, and uh, and then they'll just try and kill you by, you know, this uh, play action passes or zone reads or whatever it is to go gain and go score some points, and that's exactly what they do. Well, yeah, and there's there's something about this team. One, they're harmonious. Like they're really a balanced team. Uh, it's not like, you know, the New Orleans Saints that won a Super Bowl where it's like, we've got the greatest offense of all time. And Man. like our defense, you it can't really even was. I, I mean, I, 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 I come sometimes fantasize about that. And what is it? The 84 Miami Dolphins offense. Very sexy. Very, very sexy. That's not what Kansas City is. though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those posters of Dan Marino that you have explain a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like. Look, so they're a team that complements each other well, and they do something defensively that's really remarkable. And and we will get to that in a minute. But first, let's talk about Clip It. Listen, if you don't know this by now, it is the hottest app that is out there, gang. I mean, it is live television in the palm of your hand. We have got college football coming up on Saturday. There is a ton of matchups at, with so many highlights. Uh, and, and just you know, you had Notre Dame going into the into the final drags. There, there was. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of big matchups, and it's all right there for you to share with your friends, uh, if, even if they can't see the game. Or if you want to just be very popular on Twitter.com and be the very first one to post the awesome highlighted video, it's there for you. It has every channel from ABC, NBC, Fox, the Pac-12, uh, Fox Sports 1, ESPN, ESPN 2, everything that you're watching, including all the NFL lineups, as we were using it constantly because, oh, my goodness. That Darby injury looked awful. It looked oh. terrible in slow motion. And if you miss it on the – that's what's the other great function about it. I mean, sure, we can put it on Facebook. We can put it on Twitter. We can put it in our blog post if we want to enhance in that. It's great if you miss the replay, even if you're watching live. You're like, wait a minute. Did that did that ref just flip off Andy Reid? That was so weird. Is that right? You can take screenshots from it, and, and they're all in, in high-quality HD. It's a phenomenal app, King. If you don't have it now, go download it for iOS – for your Android, it is there. It is 100% free, and it is delicious. Clip it at Clip it TV, Clip it TV for more information. Yeah, you see us tweeting out things all the time using Clip it. So it's not just something we're talking about. It's something we actually we use. We used it before they endorsed us. So that's, that's, that's the beauty of this thing. Yeah, so there you have it. Now, continuing the conversation on the defensive side of the ball now, because we've talked so much about Kansas City's offense and what they're bringing to the table. For the Chiefs' defense, because I just ran down the, the numbers of where Kansas City's offense is ranking, the Chiefs' defense and where they rank, so they're 24th in total yards. They're 24th in yards allowed per carry. They allow 4.4 yards a rush. That was last year. It's pretty good. So here's the thing. They're 7th in the league, and this is best, in points allowed. So they're allowing a lot of yards. They're allowing a good number of yards per carry, but seventh in the league in points allowed. And here's here's the number one thing for Kansas City. First in turnovers. Mm. First. 18 interceptions and 15 fumbles. Remarkable. Yeah, really remarkable. So when you're talking about what helps this offense because it's dink and dunk and it's not fancy and all that, it's just an efficient offense. Well, what you have is this, you know, at times gritty uh, and, and athletic. You know, we talked about the linebackers a lot. Uh, it's a very athletic defense, but it's opportunistic as well. When you're talking about a guy like Marcus Peters, who, man, if you're just a fan of the NFL, he is incredibly 
fun to watch. Yeah, and and let me just say, um, there were six of those eighteen interceptions were his last year. <laughs> in his rookie year, he had eight. You know, he had eighty at six. He's the real deal. And I know the troubled past that you know people bring that up all the time, and that's you know it's totally significant. He plays football. <laughs> yeah, I mean the way we we've been talking about Tyreek Hill, we can bring up the same things there too. Yeah. But uh, as just an on-the-field perspective as we're doing it here, he's just ridiculous. Like, he is – I would have a hard time not saying he's the best corner in the league. I would have a hard time not saying that. He's right incredibly now. impressive, and man. He's only, and this is his third year. And it's by the so way, crazy. on that rate, if he's got eight picks his first year, he's got 16 the next. He's on pace for 24 picks this year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, so be prepared for, he's, if he's getting 24 interceptions, that means he's got to get at least one against Carson Wentz on Sunday. So y- you keep an eye on that. And it will be interesting to see, like, with, with the Eagles mindset, if you're the Philadelphia offense and you want to beat this Kansas City defense, I mean, man, when Marcus Peters is going to be locking down, like, it, are, are they going to put him on tour? I mean, you figure they, they'd line him up on Alshon and just stick him there because Andy Reid, as we saw with Eric Berry against Rob Gronkowski, he's got no problem saying you're with him and that's that. So it'll be interesting to see where they place Marcus Peters. And, uh, you know, when it comes to Ertz, like, again, I just I can't get away from this Ertz factor. Like, so last week... Ertz goes eight catches on eight targets for I forget how many yards was it in the nineties? I think it was I think it was eighty yards. Eighty yards. Double check. Uh, give me all the eights. So he gives you all that kind of production. Now, you know, there's always been these jokes that have been running around. Well, Ertz is going to finally break out. Like, do you expect a good performance from Ertz this year? Is this is are we going to see it again in Kansas City? Well, I think that I think that somebody had mentioned, and there was a lot of different parameters which eerily looked like that Cleveland Browns game. From last year, I mean, opening day, sure, it was in another place, but Zach Kurtz played, made some really spectacular catches there. And it was 93 yards, uh, by the way, uh, last week. So, that yeah, I mean, he had, a, he had a phenomenal game. I thought him, you could definitely see that second-year chemistry being in there, you know, with him telling it, you know, go down the sideline and bang, and, and, it's, and it's dead on there. And, and that feels like it is growing. So I will give credence to that and, and the whole – well, he hasn't had the same quarterback for his entire career. Okay, now it looks like he is. I, I still need to wait and see. And just the same as people are going to wait and see on Nelson Aguilar. He also had a pretty impressive game coming out against Cleveland, and I think a lot of people's expectations rolled into that as well. I still think that, listen, if he's going to produce 8-93 and 93 every every freaking game, that's fin- that's fantastic. You know, you can't ask. I mean, that's that, you're talking about like, uh, a, a, a Greg Olson, and fighting for that—that's uh, that's great. Uh, I just we need to see that consistently throughout the months of September, and especially against. This is the most important kind of opening, at least for me and my eyes, and what I want to see. Just like we were saying, this is a a great opportunity to har- really help out your second year quarterback here to be a a, a playmaker. I, I'm already accepting the yak thing is gone. Right, it's fine, but to use your athleticism in in any other way to create mismatches the entire time you're there to kind of have a dueling, I, they're obviously not going up against each other, but you know Travis Kelsey versus Zach Ertz type of feel like if he goes makes a play, make a go and go out there and make a better yeah, play. Fried, yeah, but the, the, that that whole thing. I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's amazing to me that we've spent this entire time and Alshon hasn't really come up. 
yet, and, and, and that's still pretty crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think Zach Ertz is a major factor in this. I think Alshon's the second guy in that. Uh, he he certainly is the second guy. And look, we didn't see much from Alshon against Washington. It was what I expected just in terms of, you know, look, he catches a slant route. He gets another yard or two after it as he gets tackled. Those are the kind of catches a pro like him is supposed to make. So all well and good. And and the, the ultimate factor for that is going to be Peters and how much Andy Reid uh, is concerned about Alshon to be like, okay, I need to put Peters on him or we're just going to have him on whatever side of the field and our scheme's going to handle it. Uh, that's one issue. Now, the other thing is for the offense, when we're talking about what they need to do to beat Kansas City in Kansas City coming off this big, hot win, I got to see the running game perform this week, John. Well, you're not going to. It's not going to happen. That's it. Listen, we've been saying this for a very long time here, gang. Uh, <laughs> fam gang, I tried to do it, combine it at the same fang. time. Fang. What's up, Fang? It's not going to happen, Okay. Uh, you, you can bitch as much as you want about the running back situation and the rookies. I'll be right in that boat with you because I think they missed in a couple of spots. It's fine. You want to complain about that? It's cool. Dealing with what's in front of you right now, none of that's going to change right now. The Garrett Blunt is not going to be a number one running back. This was supposed to be a running back by committee. And guess what? Committee's not fucking working in week one. Wendell Smallwood doesn't look like he can be part of that committee. Darren Sproles, I don't know why they didn't go to him a little more. And, yeah. we're, and we've been saying that probably his entire career. I think it is time to bring the Hyundai out, to bring out that Honda Accord <laughs> and maybe get him seven to nine touches in Corey Clement. Like, it, it, if you're if we're talking about a hybrid and we're talking about, uh, see, maybe, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe that can be his thing. Maybe he can be a Prius because he's a hybrid between Blunt and and. Sproles, that's what he is. He's an efficient car that gets you places. And I think that's – and granted, there's offensive line woes that go in between there too. But, like, I think – and I was talking with Barrett in Tehran, and you can listen to their daily uh, uh, number 21 uh, in our previous post here. It is amazing to me how much we didn't celebrate this kid. It really is. Like, we looked at this and we freaked out, and we pointed and went – Oh my God! They're going to keep five running backs, and one of them's going to be inactive the entire time. And that was their fourth round pick, and they moved up for that guy. What a travesty! We are not here today saying, "Holy shit!" This kid, who was unsigned, who nobody gave a shot to, including me, who is going to make this team. It was going to be a nice practice squad player, and that's how it was going to roll out. And you know what he did? He made the fucking team. He's here. Not only that, he lit up. He set the tone against Washington on the opening kickoff. He was the guy that was making snot bubbles coming out of dudes' noses. He wants this thing. I think he's earned the right to get nine carries this game to see what happens, to try and see if you can get something going. There were holes last week. There were holes. And for all the people that said, you're making shit up about LeGarrette Blunt, it's not there. It's just not there. He's not that type of guy. He's the guy that runs two yards, falls down, and gets you four. He's not the guy that bursts through the line. Corey Clement could have burst through some of those lines and turned those seven or eight-yard carries that Blunt was doing into 12, into 15. I'm not trying to make him a superstar. I'm just saying he's at least a Hyundai 
a Prius that can get you places. Uh, you, you're kind of building them up like a Cinderella carriage, and I want to get in it with you for a second. <laughs> Come right. on in. Yeah, me and you were on our way to the ball. Let's go. So, Even if it's just for a year, let it turn into a pumpkin. All right. Well, no, but for this, is it going to turn into a pumpkin? Yes, because, it will at no, some no, point. No, 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 no. Let me finish the damn question. Ah, damn. All right. So here's the idea. Corey Clement, let's, let's say we go with your theory. Because for me, again, it's super important that the running game gets established. Um, if Corey Clement gets seven to nine carries in this game, as you are demanding here right now on this show, yeah, does that improve their chances in this game? Does it establish the running game if Corey Clement's in? No, that's what so I'm saying. <laughs> because nothing. You're, you're, there's two. There's two things here. There will be no established running game. Stop with the with the crap of they need to establish the run. No, they don't. No, they don't. And guess what? There's about 25 NFL teams that don't need to do that either. Unless your name is Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, possibly Kareem Hunt. Who else Who else is out there? What? Who else, who is, else out is out there? there that you say establish the run? Jay Ajay, DeMarco Murray. No, they didn't establish anything. None of those guys have established the run. Jordan Beast, Howard. Beast Mode came back, right? It's Beast Mode. He came back. Didn't yeah. establish the run. They threw, and they threw. They gave him the ball in the first quarter, and then they didn't give him the ball again to the third quarter. You know where the offense goes through? Carson fucking Wentz. That's where it always is going to go through. You know where it goes through in Oakland? Derek fucking Carr. All right. Well, well here's the <laughs> Marcus fucking Mariota. No, but here's it goes the- through the quarterback. Stop trying to establish the run, especially when the Eagles don't have one. No, establishing the run is different now. I'll agree with I'll agree with you. The teams don't run the ball the way they used to, and the percentages of balance and all that they they generally do not exist. But so sorry for cursing all the time, by the way. Oh my faint ears, John. <laughs> um, look, establishing the run has changed. What you need to do now is you need to do it just enough to faint the threat. That's all it is. You just need to say, hey, if we want to run the ball at a certain time, we could, and you need to prepare for it. It's the thing that sets up the play actions and that kind of stuff. It's you just it, it's the at, percentage at, at is any, different, but it's time. still a factor of the game. It's still a factor. At any time, where do the Eagles go, oh man, that's scary. We gotta look out for Darren Sproles. It's the only thing that could possibly scare anybody in any NFL team. Like Garrett Blunt, Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement is not going to scare anybody. In certain down and distances, it doesn't need to scare them, but it just needs to say that we need to respect them enough. Did Washington respect the third and one to the outside on an outside zone run to Garrett Blunt? Yes, and then they stopped it, and then they had to punt. That's what I'm saying. Like it, 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 it you know, I don't think anybody is scared of this running game. On uh, uh, to your point, unless they somehow dramatically prove it. During Kansas City. I don't see that happening throughout the entire year. Just not going to be there. And maybe it won't. I 90, mean, look, 90, the, yard, 90 yards a game if you're lucky, gang. That's it. We're not, yeah, we're not going to be, because look, the, the running back group has gotten worse. Like, if, if you say what you will about Ryan Matthews. When he's healthy, he's a great talent. And uh, to lose that factor that he brought to the field is is a big loss for the Eagles. And all the moves no, that I they agree. made did That's- not. People might r- people might rip you for it, but I I hundred percent agree. Yeah, with Ryan that. Matthews is is a talented guy, man. Um, but okay, so let's say so we're in a game now where the running game is not effective. It's generally going to be nothing yardage wise. We're relying on Zach Ertz. Uh, the other thing is here, 
And this is what I'm curious about with Kansas City. They weren't tested all that much with the deep ball until it got later in the game in New England. This had Out of desperation, they started to sling it. And if I'm Doug Peterson, and I'm going into this game with my own speedster in Torrey Smith, and I see that a safety is injured, their star safety is down for Kansas City, I'm throwing the ball downfield early, and I'm doing it quite regularly. I'm putting a lot of pressure on that secondary. Yeah, and it's not too much different from last week. It's the same thing. You have Cravens that retired early. They had to you know, jumble something together. DJ Swearinger, all those different guys that are mixed in through there. You kind of do the same thing here, just to see where they're at. I think it's a, you know, and it, it not as predictive where you're going to open up with a play action pass and throw it downfield or whatever. But yeah, uh, moving, I, I would say within your first two drives, you should take a shot deep again and you should just see what's there. I'd like to see him actually do it with Alshon this time and throw him a 50 50 ball and make him recognize, okay, maybe we need to shift that safety over there to get him off Tory and then open that later up in the game and move on from there. Yeah, but they definitely need to test the secondary early. Yeah, and do it uh, away from Marcus Peters, because dear God, yes, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Unless that guy you cover my Marcus Peters. He is, yeah. he is absolutely terrifying. All right, so uh, with all that, we, we've just ran through some offensive keys. Real quick with the defensive keys here. Uh, for the Eagles, in order for them to get a win on Sunday, I need them to, number one, set the edge. What do you think of, of the potential? Like Chris Long, you said, is he going to translate that this week? Yeah, I think there's I, – I, and again, I don't – I think they're going to stay with – you know, when I, as, I'm, as I'm trying to think about this and spit it out, I wouldn't actually be that much surprised if Derek Barnett and Chris Long combination get more snaps than Vinny Curry this week. Because when we're talking about setting the edge – and granted, Vinny has – I thought Vinny Curry didn't get talked about enough uh, in Washington – Really played a solid game. The whole, whole defensive line, I think, played a really solid game. I, I don't feel confident in Vinny Curry setting an edge against these guys. I think it's too fast. I think he bites too hard on a lot of stuff. And even though he's a rookie, Derek Barnett is really smart. Chris Long is really smart. And I would like to see those guys in there, you know, trying to slow those things down, trying to slow down Dat, making sure that nobody's pulling away from it, making sure that there's no misdirection stuff happening. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I would... I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say those two have more snaps than Vinny Curry this week. There you go. And, yeah, because, again, setting the edge and why it's so important to me is because Kareem Hunt is making all his money right now. He's getting all this attention by being able to break these runs to the outside. I think if they can keep him inside, you force him to run in between the tackles, that's advantage Eagles. Yeah, and I think Matt Daring will be very, very happy if uh, you know Kareem Hunt gets lit up this week and that he can go. Back and uh, find all the retweets and I should have drafted Kareem Hunt and you can probably join in with them there, Vince, because I know I know that annoys you too. Yeah, uh, why not? I'm I'm all in for that. <laughs> now, the other thing that I'm looking for is with the Eagles in this game, another key pass rush. Like if you are going to be doing very different philosophically things from New England, where it's three guys and no blitzing whatsoever, uh, if they're able to generate four. So, because Alex Smith had all the time in the world uh, to make all of those passes, if you can get your four to do better than the uh, than the New England guys did, and you don't have to blitz, and you can still contain the way New England's defense did, uh, I think that's a really good situation to be in, and uh, it's it's pretty important for the Eagles if they want to pull this one out. Now, uh, with all of that said. 
let's move on and uh, take some questions, John oh, Barchard. Yeah. Now, getting to the questions here, first off, uh, it's important to mention that these questions are brought to you by Patreon. That's because right. We are, uh, look, we're doing some good stuff for you guys. We we get it for the Patreon subscribers. We see you, we hear you, we care about you. And we're doing exclusive shows now exclusively for you. So my NFC East show, The Beast, looking at the Giants, the Skins, the Cowboys, that show is only for Patreon subscribers. We've got other shows that we're working on for Patreon people. We're trying to get some deals for you soon. So... If you're interested in getting premium shows from us, uh, exclusive, well-researched shows from us like you get right now that you're listening to, definitely uh, sign up on Patreon. And where is that, John? Patreon.com slash BGN Radio. And, of course, if you're listening to this right now, it also means you get the fourth quarter, which me and Vince will be going back and forth with the you know whole Jeff McClain uh, drama that has been happening this past week. Not Jeff McClain specifically, but just everything that – goes around it, and I, I, I think Vince is a little bit of a skeptic as, uh, along with me, not in terms of the information, but in terms of people actually saying, oh, that's just made up and it's not true or whatever. We're going to get into that because I think there's some interesting angles there. Yeah, we certainly will. So those are the kinds of exclusive things that we're providing for Patreon people, and we hope you subscribe. It helps us live. Like, I'm I'm leaving my job here to run BGN. Wow, that's, I mean, breaking news right there. It's a uh, yeah. first so uh yeah uh i guess we should just say that vince is is going to come on with us full time so congratulations to vince he made it he's here uh and uh there'll be a larger announcement uh next week yeah so stay tuned for all we we got a lot of stuff going on now with that let's go to twitter at bgn radio where we've been sent some questions for the show john hit me yes at bgn underscore radio one as usual checking in depending on the matter in which they win what does doug and the team need to do to receive happy wip callers from james seltzer or for james seltzer uh in order to receive some happy phone calls the one thing that I think people really want, and they haven't said it, they want the Alshon Jeffrey touchdown. <laughs> yeah, they do. That's it. They I, want two. They don't want one. They want two of them. <laughs> they want a buck and two touchdowns from Alshon Jeffrey, and then everything will be cool. Yeah, I, I told you. I told you. This team's going to be great. I think something like that. Yeah, we spent so much time in the offseason saying, hey, we need a receiver, we need a receiver, let's get a receiver. And now that he's here to finally get that connection, which we didn't see much of in the preseason, we didn't really see it last week, to finally get the Alshon touchdown will be huge. I think everybody's mad because Nelson Aguilar was the leading wide receiver. I think that's what it really is. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, I, you know, just just wait wait and see. I bet Guy, you I'm right. Guys like me who are yelling that he's not playing in the preseason, yeah, I stand by that. <laughs> I stand by that. Oh, yeah, where is it? By the way, where is it? I, I you were talking by. about that from the Miami game, the preseason game. Well, yeah. to, or no, the, the Jets game. You were like, oh, I need to see something. Why was he playing? That's right. He showed you something there. Where are you at? He showed me something, <laughs> and I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. It was one game. I am waiting. All right. From our good friend Brian Coulter, our on-air road producer of BGN Radio, what is your favorite football cliche? Because I just saw Tehran tweet out a good one. Slow feet, don't eat. Vince, I'm more of a keep chopping the wood guy. Keep chopping the wood. Keep chopping the wood. Keep chopping the wood. Win the day. That's another one of my favorites from Oregon and Chip Kelly, I know. But I like that. I like win the day. I use it in my life all the time. You know what the one that pisses me off the most? 
It's defense wins championships. Oh, it's the worst one ever. It's I awful. I fucking hate it. It's aw- number it's, one. It's just wrong. Like it look, always has been. Yeah. It, it's here's the thing. And we're gonna get tweets about. Well, look back at just save it. But, it's, but that's the and that's exactly it. It's like it. look for every defensive team that won a Super Bowl, there's an offensive team that's won. Like yeah. it's it just <laughs> depends on the year and what you're elite at. Like top five teams on offense or defense win Super Bowls. That should be yeah. really the phrase, yeah. as unsexy as that is. <laughs> Whatever you're good at, be really good at it. That's yeah. that's what wins championships. Yeah, so just say, like, <laughs> defense wins championships, and especially as the years go on, I mean, to say defense wins championships gets more and more ridiculous yeah, each time. How, how can you you're say it like, at this point? Like, oh, my God. And people will always point to the specific game in the Super Bowl where the defense played really well and completely forget 18 other games in which got them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah, I hate it. So, yeah, defense wins championships garbage. Well, then, no, but what's your favorite one? Yes, for your favorite one, not the one you hated the most. Oh, okay. I thought, no, never mind. <laughs> but th- I'm with you. I like where your energy was at. Ooh, uh, let's see. The one that I like the most. Oh, man. Maybe none of them. You can answer none of them. Yeah, but that's you your know, favorite. I... I, yeah, I, I, I don't Vince have one. Vince isn't a cliche guy, Brian. Should know that by now. Good God. Uh, <laughs> let's go to our friend Howard Myers. Now that the team has shown, has uh, that no team has showed any interest in Pumphrey, which is really weird because he's on the roster. Yeah. He's a little confused there. Uh, can we uh, cut him to the practice squad, sign a left tackle, old lineman, oy vey. Listen, I, you know, we were just talking about it. I get, the, I get the frustration with Pumphrey, but there's nothing they can do at this point. I and, and maybe this hasn't been shared, but I saw some other Baltimore people tweeting about it, and somebody brought it back up to me again. I think what originally happened, and uh, due respect back to Adam Kaplan, I don't think he was insinuating a cut when that was going on. I think Baltimore was trying to get LeGarrette Blunt. I think that's what was really happening. Baltimore there. was trying to get Blunt. I think that was in the discussion. Really? Because they have so many running backs. Yeah, but, you know, Danny Woodhead goes down and, like, you know, there was, I think they said that eh, maybe they just didn't have faith in Terrence West or something. But, or one of the five was in play to go down there, whatever it was. Maybe it was Darren Sproles, whatever. Yeah, but, some, but something around that. Uh, so so that's where it came through. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I just, you just got to wait and see. And listen, for all the people that whined about don't draft a running back and now you do want a running back, just remember this moment again. Okay, that's all. That's all. You can't you can't go after needs and things at prime positions and then go on your on which fourth on your list which they didn't address very well and go, "Well, why don't we have a running back too?" Sorry, you know, you just can't address everything. But I'm with you because it's a historic draft class and they screwed the pooch. That's fine. But there's there is there is something better than Donnell Pumphrey in the next draft, I promise. Well, the the thing is for this in regards to the question, like I would definitely keep an eye on the five running backs. If it's because the thing is the Peters injury has inched them towards getting tackle help they added to the practice squad with Victor Salako, but if it comes to a point where it's a real injury to Jason Peters and they like their other guys enough, like there could become a breaking point. There's so many injuries that happen in an NFL season. Five running backs is the ultimate luxury of luxuries. And so there could very really realistically get to a point where they say, look, we're going to go with four running backs, we're going to cut somebody, and we're going to sign a tackle, we're going to sign a corner, whatever it is. And, you know, depending on how the year plays out, we're all right now thinking, well, it'll be either Clement or Pumphrey. Like, by week nine, if they're really beat up, 
Maybe Blunt gets cut. I don't know. Yeah, like, don't, yeah, yeah. We'll so, so we'll see where it goes. But um, and I don't think there's enough pressure yet to force them to m- m- cut a guy as much as I would like to see them cut a guy. But uh, yeah, keep an eye on it going forward. From Grant Crandall, how do you think? How long do you think we have to wait to see production from Alshon? Something we were just touching on a little bit before. He's got tough matchups, uh, you know, for, for the last two weeks. Um, I'll say this: I think he. I think you'll see something this week. Not nothing like, unless you're talking about the you know the two touchdown hundred hundred yard game, which I was you know semi joking about. Uh, I I I you know I think you're gonna be have to be happy with around you know five six catches in this game for maybe seventy eighty yards and a touchdown. I think that's a good expectation, and I think that would be productive. And I still don't think that Alshon. He might not end up being the the uh, you know the receiving leader in this. It still might be Ertz. It still might be Aguilar. It might be Torrey Smith. You know, I don't I don't know exactly what their game plan is, but I would expect something out of him this game. Yeah, th- this week is should be it. And I think there is. I think there were times, and I don't think this was talked talked about enough this week. Uh, early on, I think Carson Wentz was staring down a lot of his first read wide receivers, and I think. Alshon was open on a couple of them, and he didn't move to his second read, and that wasn't there. So that's what I that's what I think's happening. These guys got to get a little quicker in the processing. Who outside of it's from Chuck Sips? Who outside of Wentz has to have a big game in in Kansas City, Vince? Well, for me, it's I'm I'm looking at the, it's the defensive ends again. We talked about setting the edge. Like if you can't contain the the rushing attack, whether it's you know Kareem Hunt or Tyreek Hill. Or Travis Kelsey, because of the way they're running this offense. If you can't set that edge, I think it's a really long day for the Eagles, and you got to lock that up. So, uh, with that being said, let's get to the NFL picks. It's time to ring the bell. Here come the BGN Radio NFL picks on Sports Radio 94 WIP. And they're brought to you by the Casino at Delaware Park. The sports book at Delaware Park is open to wager and watch all of today's pro football games online at DelawarePark.com. Delaware Park is a lottery agent for the Delaware Lottery. Must be 21 to play. But you don't have to be 21 to watch, baby, and that's why we're here. Let's head to New Orleans, where, again, we're talking about our old friends, the Patriots. I feel like we've been talking about the Patriots all podcast. We're going to keep talking about the Patriots all podcast right now. Uh, The New Orleans Saints are six-and-a-half-point dogs at home in a dome with some speedy turf. What you got in this one, Vince? With six and a half points, yeah, I'm going New Orleans here. So am I. I wanted to. People are expecting me to ring the bell immediately, and I can't. I know that the Saints' defense looks like Swiss cheese. It always looks like Swiss cheese. The over and under in this thing is around 56. That's exactly what I'm expecting <laughs> happening. Both defenses are torn up. I, you know, I'm ready to rock and roll. Brandon Cooks wants to fucking shove it up these guys' ass, and at the same time, Michael Thomas wants to show, hey man. Uh, you left for a reason. I'm the man here. Get off my lawn. It's going to be a fun, high-scoring game. I think the Patriots win, but the Saints still cover. Well, and the Saints, too. Like, uh, I'm curious to see where this running back situation goes. You know, the whole Adrian <laughs> yeah. Peterson, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. It's like three guys that are, I don't know, they're oddly similar enough, but they are talented, and maybe they can get something going in the running game against New England. Six and a half points at home is so much. Yeah, plus I want to see if Adrian Peterson slaps Sean Payton. 
point on the sideline. I think that's due next. Yeah. All right, let us travel to the wonderful, sunny, one and oh Oakland Raiders as they take on Vince's uh, Vince's lady friend's favorite team, the New York Jets. I can't believe the line on this one. It's, it's Oakland is a fourteen point favorite as the Jets are heading from east to west. And guess what, Vince? I can't for a second take the Jets. It's the east to west thing, which I are, I'm already like googly eyed about. I think that Oakland in a fourteen point lead is in one hundred percent lock this week. <laughs> I'm with you. It's oh man, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But man, I mean, you think of what it was last week with the Jets against the Bills, where the I mean the Bills are an awful team this year. Everyone knows they're rebuilding. They've been selling the farm. They gave us Ronald Darby. They got rid of Sammy Watkins. They're tanking. They're a tanking organization. And if it wasn't for LaShawn McCoy, they'd be at the bottom with the Jets as well. So when I look at this and I see 14 points and they're in Oakland, hell yeah, man, there's no way Oakland isn't taking the spread. I'm, <laughs> I, it's so ridiculous as it is, I got to lean Oakland. Yeah, God, I love Marshawn Lynch in this game, too, for fantasy purpose, which we will get into, by the way, on BGN Radio Game Day on the WIP Facebook, uh, where we will cover all of the different spreads throughout the NFL Daily Fantasy, regular fantasy. We'll set your lineups 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. WIP Facebook page, BGN Radio, game day. Uh, let's stick on the West Coast here, Vince. Uh, uh, we're not going to sunny San Francisco. Sunny San Francisco is heading to Seattle to brighten up everyone's day because everyone drinks too much coffee and it's too dark in Seattle. But they got one hell of a football team. And guess what? This is also a 14-point spread as uh, they, uh, they looked at the crowd at... Uh, at uh, Levi Stadium and went, whoa, uh, the, they just have the, the team, the talent. There's just no buzz until C.J. Beathard from the University of Iowa gets to start, which everybody is asking for in 49er land, which I think is hilarious. 14-point favorite. Seattle Seahawks still don't have an offensive line. It doesn't matter. Vince, who do you have in this one? Yeah, I don't think it matters because, you know what? San Francisco really doesn't either. And so... I look at that defensive that defensive line from Seattle is like I it's as smitten as I've ever been. Like any <laughs> any any like a high school crush or anything like the Seattle defensive line now that they added Sheldon Richardson from the Jets which is part of why I have the Jets losing by more than 14 points. <laughs> um I, I see him over there and Cliff Averill and and what they could really do Michael Bennett and it's just my god. Uh San Francisco had a lot of struggles last week, and it will not get better. Oh, ring the bell! <laughs> I can't even get through it without coughing, but I'm serious. I think it's a divisional matchup. Listen, I, I was absolutely shocked and, and horrified by, I mean, we have seen a lot of bad Seattle offensive lines. This one might take the cake as being one of the worst ever. Like, it is that bad. Did Matt Tobin even get in, by the way? Because he's due to get in at some point. And I know it's – listen, San Francisco's front is still pretty good. I I, I mean, Seattle's going to win this game. Don't get me wrong. 14 points, way too high. I think they might be winning by 10, by 9, somewhere around there. I never trust this largest spread in a divisional game. I don't care how bad the team is. It's kind of what the Rams did when Jeff Fisher was there. I'm just not buying it. So – you can take that one to the bank. Probably lose your money, but I, I'm, I'm just I'm not I'm not feeling that game 
or the spread for that uh, particular one there. So I'm I'm just a believer in like chaos and and dead bodies. That's <laughs> like that's Jesus. what this game is. Well, I gotta go. Uh. Yeah, it's getting a little uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that zombie fandom is more of a fetish than anything. But uh, no, I, I just like to see that the chaos of these lines is so crazy, and I. Part of me just wants to believe that it's true, and so I'm wishing it into existence. Yes, uh, and uh, finally, Vince, it's uh, let's let's pick the uh, the right one. Now, it's it's kind of I mean, it's been his Kansas City line this entire time. Kansas City's open at four and a half. It has now moved to full point. Kansas City at five and a half. I mean, they are screaming at you, gang, saying, "Listen, the Chiefs are going to win this football game." What, how, how are you feeling about this one on Sunday? I am going. With a score of twenty-three mm-hmm. to twenty-one, huh? The hometown birds, baby! <laughs> oh my God, twenty-three, twenty-one, a two-point victory over the Eagles. I can't do that. Can't do that. I just think there's going to be a little too much somewhere. I think there's going to be a lot of upset people on Sunday and Monday, and that's okay. You're allowed to be upset. Uh, I'm going to say twenty-four, twenty, and they and they cover. Eagles cover 24-20 Kansas City. I, I think Doug's going to do something semi-stupid towards the end to try and beat Andy, and everyone's going to be upset and call for his head. That's what I think is going to happen. You even, though, even though he'll, he, he will call a really great game, but somebody one thing will happen, and that'll be the end of the world. Well, you know, I just realized I gave a score that involves three field goals for the Eagles. There you go. And they have a, With a brand, brand new, kicker, new kicker. Which we haven't talked about the entire We haven't even game. touched it. Want well, to know why? Because kickers aren't important. That's why. I, I, well, Blasphemy. You, but you, you know what? You touched on it a lot during the daily. So if you want the kicker breakdown, Vince did a really good job on BGN Radio Daily 20, which you can go find uh, in the feed there if you want more information on that. It is going to be, I think this kind of lends the aggressive Doug a lot. He can say whatever he wants about this kid. He doesn't have a strong leg. Can't kick it in the end zone. So you're going to see a lot of going for it on the on their own 4950 and beyond. It, it, is is on the road to fire everybody up, take the crowd out of it. You're going to see a lot of big balls, Doug, this week. Give me reckless, Doug. I'm all about that, yeah, man. Me I too. I like that he does it. I think it's fun. It. I think generally the numbers support it, and so do it. Now with that. Let's move to our final thoughts, John Bartrand. Ah, yes. Where, for me, uh, has nothing to do with sports whatsoever. Beautiful. Those are always the, the good ones. John Bartrand, have you ever listened to Curtis Mayfield? Uh, yeah, a handful of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curtis Mayfield is my jam. I've just been, <laughs> I, like, I, I've known some of his stuff. Like, I'm such a big Kanye fan. And Kanye has borrowed a lot of stuff from Curtis Mayfield. Yeah. So part of it is... When you listen, you go, oh, I've heard that before. That's the Kanye beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and so it's cool to go back. and I, I like listening to like old 60s and 70s soul and funk and Motown and all that kind of stuff. So Curtis Mayfield's a guy that I've been aware of and I've heard some of his stuff before. But, man, recently I've just been digging deep into the Curtis Mayfield so well. Good. And it's, it's amazing. If you're a fan of soul... And it, I mean, this is a guy who, like, this is a very political time. He's got, he's got very powerful messages about like social standing and all this kind of stuff. But man, the music is just so good. And uh, if if you're a music fan, man, Curtis Mayfield is the guy for you. Check him out. You please. know, and, and that's probably why I, and everybody's got it. But that's why I loved Dr. Dre. That's why I love Puff. 
That's why I loved everything that came out about the that '90s era hip hop is because it was actually '60s and '70s beats behind it, and nobody really put that together. Even the people that were like totally against, you know, oh gangster rap and all that stuff. And I I, I laugh at that now, even though everything was taken so seriously, including the guys that were in it, obviously. Uh, but you're you're talking about all these dudes that rapping really hardcore shit against like. Uh, well, yeah, you da, 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 da. you know, you're just like, wait a minute, what? You know, and you go back and listen to those records, and they're all phenomenal records. Well, think the, of all like the, the funk, all the stuff. It's there. It's great. Think of the Dr. Dre, like because you mentioned him. N.W.A. They did a song over "Express Yourself." Yeah, they did. Express yourself. Yeah, yourself. Yeah, like, and it was perfect. It, it was. was great. Yeah, so good. And uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, my final thought is sports. And look, uh, it, it, the whole Beth Moens thing from this week really got out of hand for some reason. Listen, Beth Moens stinks, okay? Like, there's, there's nothing wrong with saying that. There's something wrong with saying women can't do sports, which is asinine. But Beth Moens stinks. Sorry. She always has. I've, I've had to live with it during my entire college football existence. And, to, to, and listen, ESPN did her a disservice by setting her up with Rex Ryan. So Rex Ryan was also bad and just kind of the mismosh of whatever was happening there. It made it a lot worse. People need to get over it. All of you need to get over all your tics and move on and just realize that everybody's dumb. That's pretty much it. Everybody's dumb. Yeah. I, <laughs> everybody's dumb. As an idiot, I agree. Uh, so, so those are our final thoughts. Now, for those of you who subscribed on Patreon, the fourth quarter is coming up. Otherwise... Uh, thank you for listening to the show. I am Vince Quinn. You can find me on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. One word, nice and simple, It's Vince Quinn. To my right is Mr. John Barchard. At John Barchard. And this has been episode number 260 of the BGN Radio Podcast, where Vince... You should... Uh, on, <laughs> wait. I, I was like, oh, I'm so included for the next thing. And then you're like, you're like, wave me out. I was like, oh, crap. I'm not, I'm not ready for this. Wait, let's do this again. Let's do this again. <laughs> Just, <laughs> all right. Now and go. And this has been episode 260 of BGN Radio right here on BGN Radio with WIP. <laughs> Where are we going with oh, no, this? On, on, right here on bleedinggreennation.com and bgnradio.com. See, I'm new to this. On bgnradio.com and bleedinggreennation.com. Other way around. The other way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bleedinggreennation.com and, BG and bgnradio.com. There it is. We've done it. It took... <laughs> it took <laughs> Yeah, this is this is staying in the for the bloopers. This is gonna be great. Oh no, yeah, I hope this just stays in. I'm like, hey man, I I fuck things up all the time. Oh, so do I. So this, I this I, I really routine, do. Routine. So so if you enjoy our fuck ups, uh, you can rate them on Stitcher or on iTunes. <laughs> on SoundCloud. Give us five stars for our fuck These ups. These bloopers suck. The finest of fuck ups. These bloopers are great. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Again, hey, and, and we really do mean it because look, we're in the business of podcasting. So five-star ratings, it, it helps us get out to people. It, it lets us know that we're doing a good job. You know, if if we're not getting those kind of ratings, then we don't know how we're doing. So uh, we do appreciate those reviews. We do read them, and they mean a lot. Now, with that being said, that is the end of the show, unless you got the fourth quarter. See ya.